This is the Living in Fierce Alignment podcast, your go-to place for mindset transformation, self-empowerment, and personal development. I'm your host, Kayla. I'm a mindset coach for ambitious human beings who are wildly passionate about up-leveling themselves so that they can live a limitless life with ease. I'm here to show you how to create the life of your dreams and powerfully step into your full potential, and of course, live fiercely. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Living in Fierce Alignment podcast. My name is Kayla, and today I have my friend Jess on here with me. She is a life coach and also a 3-6 pure manifesting generator. And today we're going to be having a really amazing conversation just about the coaching industry, about human design, about whatever decides to fall out of our mouths. I'm just really excited to have this beautiful conversation and allow it to unfold organically. So Jess, welcome to the podcast channel. Finally, we've known each other for a while now, and I'm, I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited about having this conversation. You know, we've had a lot of conversation back and forth, whether it be, you know, face-to-face contact like this or through our Instagram private messages. So it's just nice to connect in this way. So thank you for having me. Yes. Oh my gosh. You're so welcome. I would love to dive into the first question of just asking you like how you got into coaching and also how did human design find you or how did you find human design? Yeah, I love this question so much. I think that, you know, my journey, just like a lot of people's is a long journey. And I think that looking back, all the pieces have connected together in exactly the way that they were meant to, even though there's been a lot of like struggle throughout the, throughout the time. And, you know, being a three, six profile, I am meant to experiment with things and fall on my face and get back up and take the lessons and, you know, all of that. But I started life coaching, you know, I've been coaching essentially my entire life. I think that, you know, I've had that in my blood my previous career was as a registered nurse. I was working with cancer patients and their families for 14 years. And I just recently left my occupation about six months ago. And so now I'm full-fledged into coaching, but I was doing those two things simultaneously for several years. And initially, initially what brought me into the coaching world was a neck and back injury. I had a neck and back injury from work and I was off work for, I think it was for four to six months. And I had a friend who introduced me to a product at the time. My kids were like one in four and I had very little hope during that time. I couldn't lift my one-year-old into bed. And I was like, I'm 30. And how am I going to live the rest of my life like this? If I can't function physically. And so I was like, I have nothing to lose. And so she introduced me to a product and I started using the product. My pain started getting better. And I was like, what is the sorcery? Like what, what is even happening? And so I started using the product and people started, I went back to work. People started asking me, you know, questions about it. And so it came into this like natural evolution of selling. And I never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur. I thought I was going to go into nursing and be a nurse, walk into the same building for 30 years, retire with a pension and, you know, live my life. And what I wasn't prepared for going into nursing. I mean, everybody knows that working with cancer patients is probably pretty hard, 
but you don't know or realize or recognize that the depth and richness of that experience, getting to work with somebody in such a close capacity and knowing, you know, hearing all the intimate, intimate details of their life and the regrets they have and the path they're on, seeing people of varying ages. And, you know, a lot of people think that when you go into cancer care, people die and that does happen. Absolutely. But we do see people get better too. And so it's, you know, this, roller coaster of emotions if you could imagine going from like one room into the next room into the next room so in room a you have someone who's like super excited because they've just found out that they're in remission you go into room b and someone's just starting their treatment and they're just going on that journey and you go into room c and that person's near the end of their life and so you're kind of like switching your persona as you're going in and out of each of these rooms and that uh, I didn't realize until I left six months ago how much of a toll that took on my nervous system. Um, I thought I was coping pretty well. And I think in the grand scheme of things I was, but you know, you don't realize how much you carry with you. But to go back to your question, answer your question about coaching, I went down this network marketing path. I was in direct sales and what I realized through that journey was what I really loved was coaching and mentoring piece. And so I kind of took that path, got my life coaching certification before I even really knew what it was. I had a, a friend who I had connected deeply with and she was the instructor of the program. And so I was like, well, whatever you're doing, I want in because I just loved her and I loved her heart. And I knew that anything that she was doing was going to be amazing. And so again, you know, I don't think anything happens by accident, but you kind of fall into that. You fall into the paths that you're meant to. Uh, and also like looking back, you can see the unfolding of that and how all the pieces had to fall the way that they had in order to take me to where I am today. So that is a really long answer to your simple question, but that's a bit of it, the journey. I really love that so much because it just goes to show how we don't, we don't have to just like a lot of people I notice and that are maybe newer to the industry, they think, oh, I need to get certified. Then I'm a coach. Right. Whereas when you look at your life and the work that you were doing, like you were coaching people, like as a nurse, like working with these people as cancer patients, like with their families, with the doctors, like all of that requires so much communication. It, it requires so much reframing of the circumstances to keep an empowering context so that people can just, you know, thrive through that journey and not just think that their life is over right away. You know what I mean? And so that's huge. And so it's so interesting because I do see this in the industry where it's like, you need to get certified. And I don't always believe that even though, and it's funny for me to say that because I have so many certifications and that's like such an open heart thing. I'm going to say that right now, <laughs> but looking back, I can say that if you're someone that really loves and cares about people and you do have a gift of helping them, I think that's what matters. You know what I mean? So I really love that that just what led you down the path of getting deep, more deeply into coaching and really taking that on as a, as a life career. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I have very similar sentiments about, you know, getting a coaching certification or not getting a coaching certification. People ask me that question all the time. And I think that, again, it's just like whatever your soul is pulled to. There's no right 
answer to that or wrong answer, as long as you're practicing, and I know we're going to dive deep into this, but as long as you're practicing in integrity and you're serving people from the deepest level, like, I don't think that having that title makes, you know, I've never had a single client come to me and be like, are you certified? Because if you aren't, I don't want to hire you as my coach. You know, it's not, it's, it's not a marker of how good you are as a coach. I got certified because that was the path that I chose. And that was, you know, again, accidentally fell down that path, but I think that it's not a necessity. And a lot of people get caught up and hung up in, am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? Should I get certified? Should I not get certified when that's not really, you know, the focus? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So then you get into coaching and now you're on your own the last six months, like in your business. And so how did you get into human design and how did this fall into your life? So human design has been something that's been in my life for the last two years or so, I would say. I, again, through a series of different events, I haven't always been strictly doing life coaching. I've had, again, my mini gen personality, I've had my hands in a lot of different pots. And so I've worked and continue to work behind the scenes in some people's businesses and things like that. And so when I was working behind the scenes in one business a few years ago, human design was her primary teaching. That was what she was putting out into the world. And so I was like, oh, this is really something. Like, I didn't even know anything about human design up until that point. And I was like, this is something really powerful. And so I started to dive deep myself and get all the books and courses and, you know, all the things in the the learning pieces of human design. And I first initially implemented it only for myself. I was like, this is so permission granting to know that there's this tool that you could go back to, to be like, okay, this is like how I was designed to be. And these are the places where all the conditioning showed up in situations that happened in how I was raised in, you know, relationships in whatever, these are all the pieces that came in that told me that I wasn't supposed to be this way or that I should be a good girl and stay in line and follow, follow the path that was outlined for me. And, you know, very traditionally, and I don't fault them for any of this. I'm so grateful, but it was like, go to school, get an education, you know, follow down this linear path. And I had a lot of shame around the circumstances in which I left nursing was different, but I had a lot of shame several years ago when I was like, I don't know if I really want to be a nurse for my entire life. Like, I don't know if that's the thing. And I don't know why I had this like really tough time talking to my mom about that. And she was like, that's fine. And I was like, oh, oh, it is. (laughs) It's fine. I was like, I thought, you know, she's like, no, you've, you've used, gone to school, got your education, used your education. She's like, you know, do whatever you want. But I thought that, you know, it shows that you never know what's going on in someone's brain. We make all these assumptions for ourselves based on, you know, what we feel is very real information, but just like we change and evolve, other people change and evolve and their thoughts and opinions and beliefs change and evolve over time. So anyways, there's, there's so much to that, but I started to explore human design for myself 
got all the permission. And I was like, this is a real tool that I can use to support people through my coaching. You know, I don't, I don't do the work that you do. You do a lot of like education alongside with the coaching. I do more of like the integration of the, the chart. So I would have someone's chart up and then coach them from a place of this is what your chart is, you know? And so it's really powerful to know that there's like this tool, another tool. I have like a million tools in my toolbox, but there's like this other really powerful tool that we can use to help people propel into their highest level of their self. So I'm like a thousand percent in human design is wonderful. I, I really love it, obviously. I mean, my podcast channel is completely shifted into like human design conversations and interviews with people. And I love these conversations because we, we really do talk about the integration of this work. And it's, I think it's one thing, I, there's obviously so many layers about human design. And last night I actually started studying the arrows and variables and the tones and colors and all of this. And I was like, okay, we're taking this to another level. Like just when I thought I was getting a grip on like gates and channels and unconscious and conscious charts, I'm like, we're going even deeper now, like awesome. <laughs> and uh, I just think that it's, it just, it really does give permission to, for people to be multifaceted, you know? And I know that the typical saying of a manager is somebody who pivots a lot, who, you know, might start things and stop things and just like inform and move on. Like there's a lot of diamondism to being a manifester and also having a three, six, like I can only imagine up until, you know, your Saturn return, what that was like when it was like really a three, three and I'm a six, two. So like up until the age of 29, I really lived that three line. Like that was like trial and error, you know, and I did the same thing where I went to university for six years to become a physical education and French teacher. And I went and taught at a school in China, a BC curriculum school, I taught PE, ESL planning for a year. And then I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. So like you go to university for six years to be a teacher and then you do it for a year. Like that's a wild, you know, but obviously that transferred into other things that I started doing, but it, it is such a massive permission slip. And so I'm really curious, what, what do you think was the biggest relief for you that you learned about your human design chart? I think the biggest relief was that I don't necessarily need to follow this linear path. It's interesting when you talk about, you know, your, your 20s and that six line transferring from a three to a six. I feel like I didn't even really experience that. I mean, I have the three for my life anyways, but I feel like I didn't really experience a lot of the, the trial and error things because I was so conditioned to be a good girl, stay in the line, do, do you know, behave, don't get into trouble. Although simultaneously, and I wrote this in an article that'll be published, I think next week, but simultaneously, it was like, if someone starts trouble with you, you don't back down. So there was like these different sides to think, to how I was raised. But I think that that was the biggest thing was like, oh no, you're, you're designed to experiment with life. You don't have to always follow this linear path. And it goes to like the most basic and fundamentals of human design. But I think that was the biggest thing. It was like, okay, there's, there's, there's something really, really, yeah, a big, huge permission slip to do things that pull me. The other thing is, is the energy of the sacral, right? The yes, no, this, that, black, white kind of responses versus 
giving myself this big open-ended choice process, keeping it like super, super simple. And if I don't get a clear answer, either it's not right now or asking myself a different kind of question. And I think the other piece of that is with my kids. We're all, all four of us in my household, my two kids, my husband and myself are all manifesting generator with sacral authority. So even in just like in the way that I'm raising my children, knowing how they respond to life is, again, it's just, it's a huge gift to know that even if we're not going to get it all right, which nobody does, we have the ability to like shift some of these generational patterns to create a space where they can really, really thrive. I love this. I was actually chatting with my friend Randy last night about human design for kids. And when I was looking at the variables and I was diving into color and tone and I was like, you know, talking about how we digest, like our top left-hand arrow is about like digestion and cognition. Right. And so I was just looking at like, you know, this is so interesting when you compare like somebody who has, I think it's a calm touch um, approach to their digestion. Like, you know, they may thrive better being in an environment where they're, you know, they're eating alone or, you know, they just need to be in a calm environment to process information and literally digest. But then I was like, can you imagine like as a child, like a kid in kindergarten and you're in class and you've got like 20 other colleagues and they're all running around and having fun. And you're, you're, you're trying to digest your food and digest the information that's being taught and you're not in the right environment. And I'm like, this is so interesting. Like, can you imagine understanding human design on a level where you get to raise your kids in a way where they're not so conditioned and they really get to live in alignment like that feels like such a gift like I'm so excited for the day that I have kids with my partner and being able to understand their human design right because I feel like I can totally see the conditioning that I had my dad was a is an ego manifester who was out of alignment for my entire childhood and that was like traumatizing for somebody who had so much anger and I have you know an undefined emotional solar plexus and an open heart so it was like pretty fucking intense but then looking back I'm like oh I actually have so much compassion because you were just being you it actually wasn't personal like that's just that's how you're designed you're not self-themed is anger if you're if you're fucking raging that has nothing to do with me you're just in your not self-themed and it actually like totally shifted my perspective, having this understanding and understanding people in my life and my family, and then obviously sharing like how you can share this with your kids and like create this environment for them to thrive. So yeah, I was like, literally just having this conversation last night. And I was like, can you imagine like, you want to talk about inclusive teaching, which I obviously I had my fair share of doing practicums and teaching at different schools in Victoria before I went to China. And it's like, I saw that, you know, kids don't all learn the same. And the, this is, it's literally a system of differentiation. Like that's what human design is. It makes sense. Right. When you say it like that. It really does. And I, one of the pieces of our journey is that we homeschool our kids. We always have. And when I got the information of human design, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that we chose to do that. You know, at the time, I mean, homeschooling now since COVID is a way different conversation than it was 10 years ago when we decided to homeschool our oldest, because now there's more people doing it. There's more like online learning, depending whether Canada's in lockdown or not. You know, there's a whole 
hybrid approach. There's a lot of different things that people are doing, but when we started doing it, you know, we were kind of the odd ones out. We, we didn't have any friends or anybody with kids that we knew that did homeschool. And so when I, you know, when we got this information, again, it was like a permission slip to support them in a really powerful way. And to know that they can now be in environments where they thrive and not surrounded with 30 other kids. It's, it's, there's a lot of layers to it. It's really interesting. Yeah, no, it, there totally is. And I think that it's cool that people like obviously the pandemic had a really negative impact but there's a lot of positive things that came out of it too like that's just a lot of contrast like you're gonna have an equilibrium you know there's going to be a contrast may not be an equilibrium but there's going to be a contrast and so I I love that it was it was eye-opening for you to to be able to take your kids and and have them continue to homeschool them but then see that be normalized as well because it is going to shift the next generations, you know, and especially with our generations really understanding human design and starting to apply this to our life and business. Like I am really curious to see how this is going to pan out. And it's funny because my boyfriend, he works in finance and he knows about his human design. He's a six, three splenic projector. And he has like the basic understanding. Like I could talk to him about certain things and he gets it. But like in his world, he's like, Kayla, you're like a fucking unicorn. Like no one would understand what you're saying, what you're doing. And even when I'm on LinkedIn, like I have a LinkedIn profile, I keep it up to date and I'm on there and I'm like, I could never post what I post on Instagram on LinkedIn. People would be like, who is this girl? Like, it's just weird. You know what I mean? But I'm waiting for it to to show up and become a tool everywhere because I know it will. It just makes sense. It's so inclusive. Like how, especially if you use it in a way that's empowering to people when they don't feel limited by their design, I feel like it's, it's literally going to change the world. Like no big deal. <laughs> hundred percent. And I think it's interesting because I've seen some of your conversation on Instagram recently about people presenting the human design in a limiting way or using your design as something that is a negative thing. And I've only ever seen it from the positive standpoint, the expansive standpoint, the, you know, I'm sure you could look at a chart and be like, Oh, I got the channel of struggle. That's, you know, not the greatest, But then looking at the pieces of that, that are empowering to you. And I always tell everybody, like, take the pieces that resonate with you and leave the pieces that don't, you don't need to know all the things in order to have your design support you in a really powerful way. Yeah. And you know what? I love that you brought up the channel of struggle because for example, that channel, it's like, oh, the channel of struggle, like it sounds really bad. But the thing is that channel is about knowing what's worth fighting for. You're going to have that gift. That's the gift of knowing what's worth fighting for. And then you, you having that energy is going to be able to help other people experience that energy, right? Rather than like wasting your time or fighting for things that are not important or just not relevant for you. You know what I mean? So it's like not a bad thing. My conscious son and earth are, you know, about crisis and conflict and turbulence. Like that's the energy of that. And it sounds really disempowering, but I'm like, actually, like I'm so resilient because of that. And then it leads me into having compassion and peace and, you know, being diplomatic and having humanity, you know, really seeing people for their humanness. Like that's the gifts of being able to withstand conflict and crisis and turbulence. Right. So it's like how I really feel like in any context, you can spin anything in human design into an empowering context, but 
I just hear things like the other day I was laughing my friend messaged me and she was like Kayla like I was on this this page that was dedicated to projectors and this the conversation the, it wasn't the post but it was a conversation in the comments how they said that generators might be triggered by this but they're not meant to guide people like projectors are the ones that are supposed to guide people and I was like okay yes projectors have incredible vision and depth the way that they can see things like they literally see through a veil that maybe other people don't see that's their gift but to say the generators can't guide other types like that's a load of shit <laughs> and I was laughing because I addressed this in my stories I shared this context I was like no no one is ever to be limited by their design and you know what happened within 24 hours a self-projected projector slid into my dms and said that she wanted to work with me and i was like mm -hmm. here we are and she's like kayla i really think that you can guide me with with human design like what the things that you're creating like it resonates i'm like thank you universe for reaffirming the pile of bullshit that will tend to show up on the internet that we need to call out right so i just i refuse and i even did a post recently about how when we discriminate against the types, it's essentially a form of racism because we're putting people into boxes and we're saying, because you're this, you can't do that. And it's like, that's literally no different than what we already like live with in the 3D world with skin color and your gender and your sexual orientation. Like, why would you ever bring that language into a system that literally takes your birth time, your birth location, and like that, like that information. Human design doesn't care what your sexual orientation is. You know, it doesn't differentiate you based on your skin color or, you know, if you're transgender, like none of that. So I just, I literally have no tolerance for any disempowering shit when it comes to human design. Like I'm like so adamant about that. It's interesting that you bring up this conversation of like adversity and being in integrity because that's actually how we connected. We connected because of some things that we saw on the internet that were wrong and that were happening within certain containers that we were both kind of privy to that information. And we actually connected through Amber, who I know you've had on your show at least once, maybe a few times. And it's just, again, it's like this universal alignment that brings people together because not only are we now here today recording this, we're working together in other capacities. So I just feel like Again, this just universal alignment of all the things that, um, but it's like that foundation of us having very similar ethics and beliefs and values, but yet there's so much diversity again within the conversations that we have, but knowing that that's like our core essence is really, is really important and really powerful and necessary. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's funny too, because that just goes to show that there is always going to be contrast. Like the way that Jess and I met was like, the situation was very unfortunate. Like it was, it was just a complete lack of integrity. You know, I was personally calling out someone in the industry, like calling them in to have a different conversation and shift their language. And they were just unwilling to do that. And so there was a lot of things going on behind the scenes there. And that's how Jess and I got connected, right? Because we had experienced a similar situation and, and now we're friends and now we get to have these empowering conversations. And so it's just, I think the, the real message from that is that when you find people in your life, when you know your values and you're aligned with them, you will attract people into your life who also share those same values. 
like a hundred percent. And it's really interesting because now Jess and I are just coincidentally, I mean, it's like divine timing, really. It's not a coincidence are working on the same team. And all of those people at some point had had a difficult situation with similar people in the industry that Jess and I were dealing with before. So now suddenly we, we all share the same values and we're working on the same team. And I'm like, this is so amazing. Like, this is, this is what happens when you get into energetic alignment and you like stand by what you believe is in integrity for yourself and for the people that you care about. Absolutely. And I think even just, you know, the, this, the time span since I was, I left nursing, you know, the people that I've connected with in that time frame, and even, you know, several months before that it's, yeah, you're connecting. The more you come into alignment with who you are, the more you call into people, you call in people who share the same values and beliefs you do, who I had another colliding thought at the same time that I'll expand on in a second, but, you know, you call into your world, people who are going to help you and expand and grow and have these conversations and go deeper and look at the things that are important. And the colliding thought that I had is a lot of times I have this conversation with myself in my head about calling in people who are like-minded and I never want it to be a situation or a reality for myself that I only communicate with people who are like-minded. Just like you said previously about this situation that brought us together, like we want to have the conversations with people who have a differing perspective because I want to understand and I want to know people on this deep, deep level. There's definitely people that are going to be very black or very white on a certain situation. And I would say that though there's, a lot of areas in my life where I'm very black or white for myself, I'm very gray for other people. Because I think that, again, give, going through back to human design, you know, everyone's designed differently. Everyone has different things that affect how they show up in the world. And having this like super black or white thinking and not being open to any sort of conversation, I feel like does us a big disservice. Yeah. And it's true. Actually, I think that you made a good point in the terms of like, it's not just about only surrounding your people like yourself with people who, you know, think the same because then we don't actually grow. We just kind of stay in this bubble and we just, you know, continue doing the same thing over and over again. So it is really great. It is always going to be a gift when you come up against someone who challenges you or see things differently. But like, if it's something that just leads to a dead end, which that's exactly what happened in our situation last year, then that's not of service. And that's when you draw boundaries, right? Which is exactly what, what we did in our own way, right? So I think that that was a really great point that you made. Like, yes, it is important to surround yourself with like-minded people and to really know your worth and your, and what is important to you, but having that contrast, like we're always going to have that contrast. Like it's always going to be present because that's just, you know, we have like day and night, we have the moon, we have the sun, we have the earth, we have the ocean and fire. Like we have all the elements and together that's really what makes the world like physically and like, you know, figuratively. Right. So I really, I want to dive into your chart for a second. I just want to ask you, cause I find it so 
fascinating being having the experience of being a nurse and then also obviously being in coaching having a, an undefined emotional solar plexus and I find because I mine is undefined like when I go into situations that are emotionally challenging or triggering like I amplify that energy and so I'm really curious what that was like for you because you have a lot of definition in your chart you've only got your head your heart center and emotional solar plexus undefined I'm curious what that was like for you and if you've like contemplated that since you left nursing and the pandemic and everything happening? I think it's interesting because having those undefined, I think looking back did impact things, but not in the way that I would think that it would. When I was nursing, I actually had a coworker who used to call me Zen because she said like, shit can be hitting the fan and you're just like, cool, calm, and collected, like you have it under control. And I think, you know, part of that came with experience and time. Nursing for 14 years, you have a lot of situations and circumstances. But also I think that I I trusted my intuition a lot. I think that I, even like in the most crazy of situations, like I always had a feeling like this is going to be good or this is going to be bad. And I trusted that. And so when things were crazy and chaotic and things were not going good, if I could kind of like see that the end was going to be good, I could be calm in that situation. And I think that I was able to be super empathetic with people and really have that deep level of understanding about them and their journey and what brought them to where they were now. You know, there's so many people that have had like adversity after adversity after adversity in their life. And then there's people like me that I'm like, everyone's always been healthy and happy and whatever. And so sometimes when you're immersed in that environment, it's easy to go to the default of like, okay, when's the other shoe going to drop for like me and my family? Because you're immersed in this environment. We saw, because I worked in an inpatient unit, we saw the sickest of the sickest patients. We saw the people that had to stay there for the treatments that had to stay there overnight, that had to be treated for infections that had to be, you know, really supported well. And I think working in that setting versus working even just in like the outpatient cancer center where people come in that get their treatment and go home for the night was very different because you see again, the sickest of the sickest people. But I think for myself and my growth, looking back, being in that environment and having those experiences, we had people that stayed for really long periods of time. And so they became like an extension of your family. And for the first eight years, nine years, of my nursing career, I worked full-time. And then the last five years I worked part-time, but you know, you really get to know those people because you're there on a consistent basis. And so are they. And, and we had, you know, consistent people that would come back and would need more support even once they had gone home. And so, you know, working in that environment, I think it just gave me a just like really unique perspective on life of, and I hesitate, I've, I've said this before too, but I want to be able to bring the conversation without being morbid. 
but also knowing that, you know, life is really short and we only have one chance and we only have one shot at it. And I can't count the number of times. There was a period of time, actually, probably like six months where I asked every single patient, if you could do something differently in your life, what would you do differently? And a lot of the conversations are the same. They were, I would work less. I would be more intentional with my family. I would spend time with those I love. I would, you know, not burn myself out completely, giving myself, giving everything to my job and nothing to myself. I would, you know, recognize the signs in my body and go to the doctor sooner. Or I would, you know, a lot of people, there's a good portion of people that they would be like, I just retired last week and then I got sick. Or I retired three months ago. We were going to go live up north in a cottage and now I'm sick. And for the longest time, I tried to figure out whether it was like them finally listening to their body and being like, oh, I thought I was tired because I was working, but it turns out I'm just tired. And or going for that doctor's appointment that they should have gone for two years ago, but they were too busy with life. And then finding out that they're sick, uh, you know, when they finally slow down there, they can have this chance to listen to their body. So I think that, you know, there's a lot of pieces in my chart that supported my nursing career. Uh, but also I think that a lot of that happened before I even knew what human design was. I think it was just like my personal growth journey over the last eight years since I've been an entrepreneur. I didn't even really know what personal development was until I was an entrepreneur and I started reading all the books, all the business books and everything like that. But again, I just think like human design is another tool that I've been able to add to my tool belt that also like unlocked a whole bunch of other things. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's funny because I was looking in your emotional solar plexus you've got the 49th uh, gate. I almost said gene key because I always get them mixed up, but I mean, gene key gate, you've got that defined unconsciously. And I was looking it up and the shadow is reaction. The gift is revolution and the highest expression, the city is rebirth. So I just find this so interesting that you were in alignment like here's the here's the funny thing with the undefined places in our chart is that people think oh like I'm just gonna have all these shadows and like all my conditioning is gonna be there but it actually sounds like you were in such alignment with this undefined center because you were able to have so much capacity for people's emotions and you you alchemize the shadow of like reaction to having this revolution of like okay how am I going to emotionally connect with these people and you know rebirth them in a conversation of asking like hey like what would you have done differently and like you're just you're just there you know let's say working with them and rebirthing them into a different way of experiencing their life or reflecting about their life you know what I mean like when I was like listening to you and then I looked up your emotional solar plexus in that gate I was like this is so perfect and I think that's such a great example just as a piece of evidence, when people see their undefined centers, they think it's such an empowering place, but it's not. So I'm curious if that resonates with you, like the highest expression is rebirth. And I just like, I really sense that from your sharing. I think it's interesting because the first thing that comes up when you say that, I'm like, really resonant with that. Like, I'm like, okay, that's really true. And also I feel like it was, an indicator for me of 
knowing when it was time to leave the profession, when it was time to birth myself into something different than I had been experiencing before. And so I think that this like idea of rebirth has just been something that's like occurred over and over in my life. And, but that was like the most tangible recent example. And when you say it, you know, as it relates to nursing, like, oh yeah, like that's, that's really what happened in October. Yeah. And even your, the 49th gate you have is the sixth line in your unconscious earth and your earth is what grounds you in life. Right. So it's like rebirthing is, it sounds like it's what, it's literally what grounded you in the last six months since you left nursing. And then the sixth line is obviously about being a role model. So if you look and you're like going into all these conversations with these patients and you're, you're like holding so much space and empathy with your open solar, your solar plexus. And then this theme of like revolution and rebirth is like in your conversations, like so unconsciously, because it's obviously unconsciously defined. It's not like you're going in there and you're like consciously aware, like I'm going to have a rebirthing conversation with this person. It just happens organically. And that's one of the things I love about human design is that I continue to learn things. And then I'm like, especially if it's unconsciously defined, I'm like, oh my God, this is literally happening without me being aware. And I think that's the part that people, we get so hung up on is when we're really in our head and our ajna, we're like, I need to get the answers. I need to be certain. I need to like push through this. There's a lot of pressure enforcing energy where it's, it's like, there's so much that actually just happens without us even realizing. And that's just how we're energetically imprinted to experience that in our life. I think the other piece that comes up for me too, is recognizing that these conversations are between multiple people. And so you know, even just looking at like your chart and my chart together, our charts define like define an emotional center. So recognizing that in these conversations, in these relationships where there's other people involved, you know, their chart impacts the way that they show up impacts the conversation as well. And so together you may complete something. I don't know. It's just, again, there's so many variables and so many really cool things, but yeah, when you come into like the deepest alignment with you. Yeah. It's so, it's so fascinating how, when we can take this system and really look at our past and just see how things unfolded. And like, you even shared that at the beginning of your story, where it was like, when you first look back and how you got into coaching and how you got into nursing and then you look back and it's like oh my gosh like I can see how all these things fell into place and even myself like growing my business the last three years like there's things there's been times where I was like so frustrated about how things were going and then all of a sudden I look back I'm like oh that makes sense like I get it now you know what I mean but there's so much resistance in the moment that now I've just learned so much about surrendering around like letting go of control you know especially like picking up that pressure you know, I have an undefined root. I have a lot of activation in there and you and I together have literally almost all the gates defined except for 39. So it's like, there's so much pressure in terms of like evolution and just getting things done and moving things forward. And I love that because if you actually notice a lot of our conversations are about that, this like evolution, moving forward, moving onward. Right. And so it's, it's really cool. I love doing connection charts. Like, and so the listeners know, you're not going to see this obviously, but we have, I always, whenever I do a podcast interview now, I always do a connection chart so we can like 
look at it and like ask questions and contemplate certain things. And I just find it so fascinating. I love doing the connection charts too, because again, just like I said a few minutes ago, it just shows where certain things can then be complemented or yeah, added, added to be something that's, that's different and unique just within our partnership versus something that's unique within us. Yeah. I would love if you could share, cause this is like, I think one of the, the cool channels that people get excited about in human design, the 4323, the channel of quote structuring, but other people might know it as like the freak or genius channel channel. And I'm curious if you can, if you can share about that. Cause what I've heard is that it's like you're, there's this very unique way of seeing things. And then when you speak them into existence, it kind of like rocks people and they're like, what? Like, really? Did you just say that? Like, this is so interesting, but it's, it's, it's obviously perception coming into speaking into existence or like really simplifying something for someone. And I'm curious how that's shown up for you, like in your life and in your business. I think it's interesting because when I, first saw this within my chart I'm like oh I don't think that that's true for me I think you know we talked about this before we hit play or hit record but there's so many things that are within us that we don't necessarily see or feel or experience until something like this is brought out and then you start to see all the pieces in your life where this is actually true and I actually had a conversation recently with a friend. She was talking about like the difference between like specific and non-specific manifestors. And she's like, I don't identify with being a specific manifestor at all. And so then when we talked about it a little bit more, she started later on being like, oh, I actually see a lot of pieces where I'm very specific about things. And she's like, you know, so once we have the awareness, I think more things come up around that. But I think the biggest thing for me is that definitely within my coaching, I would say that, that people are like, oh, that's never like landed that way before for me when I explain something. But also I would say that it's been over the last, again, I would say six months since I left nursing. I think that the circumstances in which I left nursing weren't necessarily on my terms, um, in a roundabout way, it was on my terms, but also it was like universal alignment, definitely, uh, the terms that I left. But I think since then, since I took that leap, since I took that courageous jump, I, I, I do see it as courageous, but also I know that for me, it was like the perfect timing and what needed to happen. But other people outside of me, A, in the beginning, they thought I was batshit crazy. They're like, why would you throw away a career that you worked all these years for, you know, you're halfway, halfway to retirement, uh, you know, in, in terms of nursing terms, but, you know, there's a lot of people that look at you weird when you make different decisions than they would make. And I think, you know, the culmination of that channel, plus just like my chart in general, like that's, that's me living in alignment is doing these strange and weird things and I think that I actually have it written on my whiteboard the more the more I show of me to the world the more people can truly love me for me and I think that that's the biggest piece of this it's like I don't want to be loved for being something that is a 
a persona or facade or something that is a show. Like I want to show all of me so people can truly love me for me. Because if you don't, if you love someone based on how they show up online, you know, we see this all the time and it goes back to like integrity and all those, those juicy conversations. But if you don't know, and again, I don't think we need to put all of our secrets on the internet, but if people in the outside world don't see the real and true you, they love this like version of you that you've created, but they don't actually love you for you. And I think that being who you are unapologetically without all the bells and whistles for lack of a better term I think that you know the more freaky you can be the more you you can be you really give people the opportunity to love a true version of you and I don't think that doing that does anybody you know, it does, it does a lot of disservice to the world. Yes. Oh my gosh. So as you were saying that I was like looking at your chart and I was checking the planets because you have the, the gate 10, which is in the G center, you have it consciously and unconsciously defined. And so it shows up in your Jupiter as 10.6. And so your Jupiter planet is about your blessings, your gift and area to expand in. So it's just really interesting because obviously your experience of like, okay, what is self-love and like, you know, radical self-acceptance actually look like? Like, how can I, how can I show up and fully accept myself? And you sharing that was like literally just the energy of Jupiter, like showing that you're expanding in this. And then you also have it consciously in your Neptune, which is about like the spiritual thing that you're going to learn and learn and it can be the challenge that helps you grow so there's a bit of a similarity between like Jupiter and and Neptune and then also having that as a two line like you having this natural wisdom about it to share right so I just thought that was so interesting I'm like honestly to the listeners like if you you look up someone's chart and you listen to them talk like it literally comes to life. I'm like listening to you talk. I'm like, oh, and then I remember like the gift of this gate. And then I look it up and like, what planet is it in? I'm like, oh, this makes sense. This makes complete sense. So I'm just curious what you think about that. (laughs) Yeah. And I think this is exactly what I was referring to is like the power of seeing someone's chart and then coaching them or being on a call like this, or even just having a regular conversation and knowing that, you know, there's all these pieces that then start to make sense. Like you can see someone's chart before you even start coaching them, before you even have a conversation with them and know so many things. Obviously you don't know the conditioning and the layers and all of those things, but you know a whole bunch of information about them before you, before they even open their mouth. And I think that that is something that's really cool. Just like you said, you know, you can pick up and look up these, these pieces and be like, oh, this, this, and this. And you can really start to see too where pieces are that need tweaking in their alignment and where pieces are that are super aligned with who they're designed to be. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. So I want to ask you where in your chart have you experienced the most conditioning where you've been like, you really notice that these certain themes show up for you in your life? Hmm. I would say that there's 
something that I've needed to do a lot of work around and healing around is like pressure. So pressure to do more, achieve more, you know, and so I think that the motor centers definitely are something that has continued to throughout my life, push me harder and harder and harder. And I think there's been several periods of my life where I've gotten to like that, that breaking point where I'm like, okay, I need to like shift and do something differently. And I need to do that now. I need to make some changes and I need to make them now. Otherwise this is not going to be something that's going to be sustainable over time. And so, you know, we've made several big changes in our life, you know, or big decisions, I guess the, the ones that stick out most to me, I would say are homeschooling our kids. That was a big, huge decision that we needed to make. Um, and initially it wasn't, again, something that happened by accident. It wasn't something that we intended on the first year that we kept our son home. It was because he was four. He wasn't really required to be in school until he was five and he was brilliant. And I was worried. We were worried that if we put him into the school system, he would be bullied or made fun of, or he would just like regress because he wasn't challenged enough. And so we kept him home that first year and then we're like, okay, we'll keep him home another year and another year and another year. And so it became like this, this natural evolution and about, well, I guess our next big decision would be picking up our family. And we moved out about an hour outside of the city, just random remote location out in the middle of nowhere onto a 20 acre farm. None of us, neither of us have ever been farmers before. It was something like completely different and unexpected, but also my husband always wanted to live on a farm for his entire life. And when he was little, 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 he, back in his home country of El Salvador, he was, you know, his family ran farms and stuff like that. But as an adult, you know, it wasn't an experience that we ever thought that, or I ever thought that I, I thought I would be a city girl for my entire life and whatever. I lived in the exact same city for the first 29 years of my life. So when we moved here, I think, again, it was just like something that was unexpected. It was something that wasn't anticipated, but ultimately, again, all the pieces align and it just everything fell into place the way that it was supposed to. But my husband was injured about four years ago. He had a series of super unfortunate events and he's been home now for the past four years. And so in that process, we were able to, my career shifted several times. You know, I was, went from being a full-time nurse to a part-time nurse. I went from full-time nursing and full-time business to, you know, doing less. And I think that was one of the like big things for me was I can't do everything. We can't homeschool, work full-time and have a full-time business and be trying to grow things. And at the time my husband was still working full-time. And so, you know, it's just like, again, this like pressure to do more, do more, do more. And it's like, but just because I can do more, just because I can do all the things doesn't mean I should. And so it created these, the, the necessity for change to then have me go part-time and have, you know, more flexibility in terms of our scheduling and the things that we were doing, but, and now having him home, our, our life looks completely different. He does all the homeschooling and I can focus on, 
my business staff. And when I was nursing, I was nursing two days a week. So I could do, you know, the things that I needed to do, knowing that he has everything else taken care of, knowing that I have three meals a day created for me and I don't have to do those things. So it really becomes this conversation for me of, you know, those partnerships and what partnerships look like, because we both have a lot of similar energies in our charts. And it's like recognizing the things that you really desire to do, the things that you're gifted at and releasing the rest. Because yeah, if I just, if I let my root run the show every day, that would not be a good thing. So I would say, a long-winded answer to your question, but I would say the, the pressure centers and just knowing that you need to take a pause. The other thing I would say is my, my head being open, um, undefined, knowing that there needs to be time where I'm turning things off because it's so easy to continue to consume and consume and consume. And there was several seasons in my business where I literally consumed everything and implemented nothing. And that doesn't go anywhere. We all know that doesn't go anywhere. So recognizing that, you know, one of the reasons we moved to the farm was so that we could be out more in nature. One of the reasons we moved out, of the, out to the farm was so that my kids could have space to run and play and be creative. And, you know, we could all be there to spend time with one another. So having that, I don't really like the word balance, but having that balance between you know, focused and intentional work, and then also creating that space and time for us to live a good life. Because really, if you're not living a good life, what are you doing? <laughs> yep, that is that I love that you just wrapped all of that up in a bow with that comment. It's like, what are you doing if you're not living your best life, basically? And you know what I really love is that you gave an example of having, you know, your root is defined, it's consciously defined as well entirely. And it's like, that was in a conditioning space for you. And then also you gave an example of like an undefined center being a conditioning space for you, because I feel like people get hung up that like you only get conditioning in your undefined centers. And that's not true. It's kind of like when you have that definition, it's always on, how do you turn it off? And then throw in like a root center, which is a pressure center to like do all the things all the time. Like, and it was interesting because that channel of, it's called the channel of adventure. Apparently I just looked, looked it up the 28 to 38. And even just you sharing your story. So get this. So the 28, which is about like taking risks, facing challenges, like sharing the struggle and meaning is in Pluto, which is like your, your truth, growth and transformation. Right. And then we look at 38, which is in your Jupiter and 38 is about like knowing like what's worth fighting for like that's part of the the struggle side and then having that in Jupiter again we talked a little bit about Jupiter earlier but that's like your blessings and your gifts and your areas of expansion so even though you're experiencing this conditioning for example in this space or this like out of alignment and you're noticing the pressure you're still like living your purpose with those gates and the planets that they're in like you're it's like it's like, there is no way, there's no way for us to fail. Like even in those moments where we think we're out of alignment, it's for a purpose. It's always for a purpose. You know what I mean? So I was like listening to you. And then I was like, obviously looking, looking up the planets and looking up the gates. And I was like, this makes so much sense. And the 28 being of one line is like, you're really here to investigate that. 
in that Pluto energy of like truth and growth and transformation, like what is that going to look like? You know, like getting all the facts, figuring things out and then having the two line with the 38 in Jupiter, that's all about like this natural wisdom, right? And then a bit of a hermit energy as well with the struggles, like maybe you're going to figure these out on your own and then you're going to share them. So I just thought that was so fascinating. And I, I really love that you gave like such a great example of like defined center, having conditioning and an undefined center. Cause I think that that's, that's so key. So I'm curious if that resonates with you. It really does. It really, really does. Something also that came up as you were talking for me is this concept of alignment. I think there's, you know, so much out there that you need to always be in alignment. You need to always, you know, there's no variation in terms of life and personal experience I think that the the narrative is shifting definitely but I think that for so long it was like you need to be in alignment you need to be perfect you need to be you know if if you're not in alignment something's wrong with you and I think that it is those peaks and valleys that give you the most diverse experience of life and where the most growth happens and so I would argue that you can still be in alignment even in those peaks and valleys, whereas the common conversation is that if you're in a peak or a valley, you're not in alignment. Yep. How does that, how does that come true or come through for you? I totally resonate with it. And I think, I mean, this could be a total other rabbit hole that we go down, but before we hit record, we were just talking about, we were just talking about how this this way of selling that shows up in the online space is like to the pain points and if you really look at the underlying message of how let's say some people if they're operating and they're not self-themed like they're operating in this place of scarcity or having to force things or like really operating from pressure then you know they're going to speak to pain points where it's like oh like once you get into alignment then you're going to relieve the pressure and be able to create your business from a place that's blah 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 but it's like it's particularly feeding on when you're in those most vulnerable spaces of peaks and valleys, rather than just serving you right where you're at. Like there's nothing fucking wrong with you. And it's actually you just embracing your energy. Like, can you imagine if I was coaching you and all of a sudden you're telling me about this experience of having all this pressure in your life. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get you to, to like meditate. And we're going to journal and reframe about, you know, your experience of homeschooling your kids. And like, I'm, I wish everyone could see this, but she literally just smacked her forehead and was like, okay, this is stupid. But like, I'm not going to lie. I used to be like that. I used to be like, oh, I hear this disempowering context. Like, let's shift that for you. But now having human design as a freaking tool, I'm going to look and be like, yeah, you know what? That's perfect for you. You have nothing to change. How does that feel? You know what I mean? So I'm curious how that lands for you. It's something that's interesting too, because now in my coaching, I ask people, I'm like, is this something that you want support in shifting? Because sometimes it, it's in high service of you to sit in it, to be in that space. And also if you're coming to a, to a point where you're ready to move out of that space and into something new, I can support you through that transition too. So I think it's, you know, I think people think that when they're in the, in the peaks or valleys, you need to get out of that as quickly as possible. But again, I think that's where the most growth happens. And I think you're doing your clients a disservice if you're pushing them out of those peaks and valleys by doing you know, some of those strategies and things. Those strategies and things work wonderfully. 
I implement and practice those things all of the time. But it needs to be recommendations and things that are going to support your people where they're at, not coming from this place of like, okay, this is uncomfortable. We need to get out of this right away. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like, imagine if somebody had a broken arm and you're like, okay, like there's a natural process for your body to heal. And my broken arm might take longer to heal than your broken arm. But the thing is, we both have a broken arm and we're dealing with the situation. And it would be like somebody coming to me and being like, okay, I have this ointment. We're going to rub this ointment on your arm. And then you're going to like do these, these exercises. And we're going to see if we can speed up the process so that you can get out of this pain, because that's, that's completely operating from a place of scarcity of like, there's something wrong with you in that situation right now. And it's actually a form of self-rejection, you know, actually accepting yourself in that moment. And so it's a complete lack of integrity. And obviously you're probably, you probably like, I would think, oh, maybe I feel bad because of my broken arm, but maybe the actual underlying factor is like, oh, I feel bad because I'm actually just not accepting myself in this moment. But we don't think that because then we, we, we have someone or, you know, whatever is coming up on social media, fabricating this message to us of like, oh, we need to change and be different. We need to move forward and have this pressure to evolve in your business and in your life and so on and get married by this time and have babies by this time and so on. And it's like, it just ultimately the secret to noticing all of this is just self-awareness. And I say this often in the online space, especially with human design. I'm like, just question everything, literally question everything. And if it disempowers you, get the fuck out of the situation because that is not for you. You might, you will learn from it if you decide to stay in the situation, but radical self-acceptance. And it's funny because this is literally me just speaking my conscious son and earth and unconscious son and earth like that turbulence and conflict like being in it and then the 10 I have it as my conscious son we talked about this earlier this self-love and then the 15 is about the extreme so I'm like "Mm, we're going to go to extreme so that you can love yourself and then be able to withstand and make it through all this conflict and turbulence in your life (laughs) and then it doesn't help my 36 is also in my conscious mercury which is like what you're here to communicate so yes we're going to talk about conflict all the time and turbulence (laughs) And I think there, there is a place and a space for that, right? There is a real, there's real life situations. And especially right now, there's real life situations and things that people are struggling through that are creating conflict, that are creating turbulence in their life. And so I think that's something that I really admire about the way that you show up in the world is that you speak to those things, but also you come from this empowering place. You don't come from like a, okay, well, there's turbulence and shit. So you're just going to have to live in this. Like, you know, you can, if you desire to, you can shift from this place. You can also learn from this place. And I think that that is something that's really needed in the world and in the coaching industry is knowing that you can, again, serve people right where they're at. Yeah, it's so true. I really, I really loved our conversation today. And I think it was, I I love it when we can give like real life examples of how human design shows up and, you know, full transparency and just being inclusive of like your experience and my experience and just like things to watch out for. So before we wrap things up today, I would love if intuitively, if you just want to share your last piece of wisdom with the audience today, and then you can share with them where they can connect with you online as well. Sure. I think the biggest thing is, always just trusting your inner guidance. You know, there's so much out there also that talks about trusting your intuition and honoring your intuition. And there's questions around that. You know, I think that the people who listen to your show probably know what their intuition is, but some people don't. 
And in like the most simplest of terms, it's like, what feels good to you in your body? What feels good to you in your heart, your mind, your soul? Just like you were saying previously, if you have like this, this kind of like dissonance with what's happening, trusting that and knowing that you're on this path for a particular reason. And if it's time to jump to the next path, trust it because the things that it's, you have one life and the things that other people are doing in the world surrounding you don't, if you let that impact how that you show, how you show up in the world, you're going to find yourself on the wrong path. So it's just, I think that, you know, take home message of all of that. It's just trusting and honoring your intuition and knowing that your soul knows the answer and whether you have your sacral defined or not, whether you have like that, yes, no, this, that black, white, um, to find, you know, all of the designs have pieces of that. We all have the ability to trust and know what's right for us. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. I don't know if it was quite as eloquent as I was aiming for, but here we are. No, but I think it's, no, I think it was perfect. You know, it is, that is what it comes down to. Like, I actually can't tell you how many times lately, especially since I've been sharing so much on Instagram, people coming into my DMs and asking me questions. And it's like surprising how often I'm reflecting back to them. Like, Hey, what does your authority say? Mm-hmm. always and that your authority is your like inner compass your your intuition so many so often people are looking around for the answers and it's like what do you feel in your body like so many times my boyfriend has a wide split he's got his head in Ajna defined and his root and spleen defined and he will come and ask me something and I just kind of look at him and I'm like what does your spleen say that's like I do it all the time you know my friend did it the other day Kayla what do you think about this price for this master class I'm like if you're asking me that question you have not fully rode your emotional wave and I'm not going to answer that and she's like tough love I saw that I appreciate it I saw that on your story I was like perfect but it's true (laughs) I think that yeah people do they look outside themselves for the answers and then end up disappointed when they don't get the result that they're looking for but if you trust what's coming from within you, you may still be disappointed. You may not get the result you're looking for, but there's like this, this, I don't know. There's this, for me, at least there's like this confidence in knowing that you trusted yourself and that whether it led you to the result that you wanted, you ultimately got the result that you needed. Yeah. And actually just to kind of capitalize on that, like, let's say you have a situation and you trust yourself, your inner guidance, but it's not for you. You're still winning because you trusted yourself. If you didn't trust yourself and you went outside you to get the answer and you didn't get what you wanted, that's like everyone loses. Like there's no winning there. You know what I mean? So I think that if you always come back to trust in yourself, then whether it's a yes or a no for you, where it works out or not, and then, like you said, if it doesn't work out and you trust yourself, at least, you know, mm-hmm. right. So that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Can you share with our audience where they can connect with you in the online space? 
Yeah, I would say that I'm on kind of the typical Facebook, Instagram platform. So you can find me on Facebook, just Jess Gray, G-A-R-A-Y, or I am Jess Gray on Instagram. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and having such like a heart-filled conversation. And I love your energy, Jess, like you're so calming. I find you very calming. And this is the thing is like, this is just another example of how you can't really stereotype people because you're a Manny Jen. You know what I mean? Like, oh, Manny Jens are so fiery and they're so running around. Like, I'm not saying you don't do that, but you have this very calming energy that it's just a contrast, right? So that's why we just, we have to look at each individual person and not just like classify them by their, their type, for example. Thank you. You're so welcome. I want to thank the listeners for tuning in today. Please make sure to give Jess a follow, share this episode on social and tag us if you're keen, if you're inspired by it. We obviously want to hear what you think. That'd be awesome. And if you could take a moment, make sure you subscribe. Lots more goodies coming out. And if you can leave a review as well and help us get this work out into the world, I would deeply appreciate that. So thank you so much. And I'll chat with you in the next episode.